Guys, it is so good to see you again. I missed being with you last week. Um, it was weird not being up here. It was weird being with adults, and I don't know how I felt about it. It was cool, but I like you guys. So I know that uh, Josh finished us strong in our hostel series as we took a look at Daniel and the lion's den and uh, talked about how that applied to our lives and, and what faithfulness looked like. So I'm so excited that we got to do that. And next week we're kicking off, I'm a little biased, but we're kicking off probably my favorite series that we do here, which is Our Stories, where we interview some of our seniors about their walks with Jesus. So can we show a little love for the class of 2020 this morning? Yeah? I'm really excited about uh, this series and you guys getting to hear their stories and getting to hear what faithfulness um, has looked like in their lives and what their walks with the Lord have looked like in high school. Because my prayer for the series that we're going to be going into is that it's going to be an encouragement for the rest of you of this is what it looks like to follow Christ through high school, which is one of the hardest times in life to do that. And I thought to prep us this morning... Um, we would look at a passage out of scripture that I think is going to really transition us well into next week. And I really believe that this passage that we're going to look at that Jesus spoke on thousands of years ago applies to your generation about as well as any, anything else. Because, man, you guys know this as well as I do. We live in a time um, where you've got thousands of options, and you can pick and choose what you want to do and when you want to do it. But following Christ doesn't apply to that mold. Following Christ is an all-in, all-out kind of decision. And I feel like we have allowed that to be lumped into, I like doing this here, but I don't enjoy doing it here, and we pick and choose when Jesus works for us, and that is not what it's supposed to look like. So we're going to be Matthew 5 this morning, verse 13. As you're flipping there, um, if you are like, Casey, I would love to have a Bible, um, but I don't have one, I want you to see me after the service. We went and ordered about 150, 200 Bibles um, for you guys. So if you don't have a Bible and you're like, Casey, I want to be getting into God's word during the week when I'm not here at HSM, I want you to see me after the service. I'll be standing at the door. We will get you a Bible because, man, that is a huge step. Uh, as you're flipping there to Matthew 5, and we're going to be in verse 13, I've got to tell you this story because I think it's going to set up so well for where we're going today, and it's one of the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me, even though there was nobody around. You know how sometimes you get embarrassed and nobody else sees what happens? Uh, this was this scenario. So when I was growing up, my best friend and our uh, was our next-door neighbor. They lived right next to us, and we had this fence between our two houses and it was because they had a pool and it was awesome and we would just go over there all the time and when you're a kid going through the gate door is stupid and there's no reason to do it you're gonna hop the fence everybody hops the fence cool people hop the fence I was a cool kid so I was going to hop the fence and I remember uh, I was going back and forth between my house and their house 
and I'm going to climb over this wooden fence, and I go to jump, and look, you can make fun of my fashion all you want. It was the mid-2000s, baggy gym shorts were in, okay? So I had on this really baggy pair of basketball gym shorts, and I go to jump over the fence, and there was like a little spike on the top of the fence, and I go to jump, and the back part of my gym shorts gets hung, and I'm just caught. Like, there's this 11-year-old just kind of floating in midair as the back part of my shorts is caught on this fence, and I am stuck, and there is nobody that can help me, and I really don't want any help at this point. Like, this is not a place you want to be found in. It was a very, very bad position to be in, and I'm kind of hanging there, and I'm stuck, and it is the most uncomfortable that I've ever been, and I can't decide of, okay, am I going to just kind of jump down and rip my gym shorts, and I love these gym shorts. You're in elementary school. You wear them every day, right? This is my favorite pair of shorts. Am I going to just jump down and go home and say goodbye to the shorts and allow them to rip, or am I going to somehow levitate and be able to get back to the center of this fence and be able to get off of the hook? That wasn't really an option, and so eventually... I had to, <sighs> it, was, it was a dark place. Um, I had to say goodbye to my favorite pair of shorts. And I love those shorts. Yes, a moment of silence would be great. <sighs> yeah, it was awful. Uh, my favorite pair of baggy gym shorts that made me feel like I was a basketball player. Um, I had to say goodbye to because they got hung on the fence and I was stuck. And being stuck in the middle is the worst place to be. Sometimes we get stuck in the middle with decisions that we have to make, with things that you're trying to decide you want to do, and you can't make a firm decision. And as we get ready to jump into the passage today, I want to preface it with this, and I want everybody to look at me. Guys, I love you. Like, I legitimately love you. You are the greatest part of my week. I love seeing you every Sunday. I love getting to hear stories about how school's going. I love getting to hear about how your teams are doing or the clubs that you're in. I love it. But with that, I love you too much to allow you to stay where you're at. And sometimes... You've got to have hard conversations, and you've got to talk about some difficult things. Guys, we're going to talk about potentially some difficult things for some of you because you're stuck in the middle. You're stuck on the fence of where you stand with Jesus. I would say we've got 10% of our room that is all in on Christ. It's yes and. I will do whatever Jesus calls me to. This is my life. It's all for his glory. I'm in. I would say that's about 10% of our room. We've got another 10% that really is brand new to this whole idea of Jesus. We don't have a relationship with him. We don't know where we stand with him. We're just trying to figure it out as we go. And then I would say there's 80% of us that would say, yeah, I know Jesus, and yes, I'd like to think I have a relationship with him, but we pick and choose when Jesus is convenient for us. And we make this decision of, 
yeah, he, he's really great for me on Sundays, but on Friday and Saturday, not so much. And we are just picking portions of when following Christ is good for us. And guys, that doesn't work. It's not sustainable. It's not what we were meant to do. And you're going to see it in this passage right here. Matthew 5, verse 13. This is Jesus talking, and he directs this portion to his disciples. He says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall, sal how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Jesus just flat out lays it out for us, guys. This is what we're called to do. This is who we're supposed to be. This is what following me looks like. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. This is what I expect from you. And you don't do it for yourself. You don't do it for your glory. You do it so that you can point back to the Father who is in heaven and make his name known. That is boiled down Christianity 101. We're followers of Jesus and we live our lives to be an example of what he's done in us. That is it, boiled down. And yet, this is, this is really hard to apply to our lives. Because if we're going to embrace this passage, that means we are saying no to a lot of other stuff. And we are kind of pushing some other stuff that we might really like over to the wayside because it doesn't fit for what Jesus wants to do in our lives. Here's the reality, guys. If we proclaim to follow Christ, if you're in here and you say, yes, I love Jesus, I follow Jesus, I have a relationship with him, each day we, either, we are either fulfilling or we're failing at that commitment to him. There is no in-between. There is no stagnant relationship with Jesus. There is no taking a break with Jesus. We're either fulfilling what he's called us to or we are failing at this commitment that we've made to him of living out Matthew 5. There's no in-between, and yet we try to live our lives there. It's not sustainable. It's going to lead you to some frustrated places you're going to wonder why this doesn't feel like it's really in motion, why it doesn't feel like you really know the Lord, you can't hear from him. All of these things, it's going to end up in a frustrated place at a boiling point. And I don't want that for you. And I don't want you to have to sit on the fence because being on the fence is incredibly uncomfortable. That's not a good place to be. And so, we need to make a decision today. We need to make a decision on where we stand with the Lord. And so, as we get ready for this time today, I'm going to pray for us, um, and we're going to dive into what I hope for some of us, man, is a life-changing day.
of either putting our yes on the table and saying yes to a relationship with Jesus for the first time, or we get off the fence and we make this decision of, man, I'm all in on this life for Christ. So let me pray for us. Father, I love the students and leaders in this room, but Lord, it pales in comparison to the way that you feel about them and the way that you love them and the way that you know them. And I pray for the next few minutes that we have together today, God, that they would know that they are loved by you. Whether they proclaim to uh, have a relationship with you or not, I pray that they realize that there is a creator who loves them more than they could ever uh, fathom. And Father, I pray that as the weight of that love begins to sink into their hearts and their minds, God, I pray that the reality of this decision of following Christ begins to take weight and make sense. Lord, that we would realize that we don't just pick and choose uh, when Jesus works for us and when we want to spend time with him and when we want him to be a part of our lives. But God, it is an everyday all day, 24-7, 365 commitment because you are worth it. Everything else is going to come and go. It's not going to last. Father, I pray that we realize the hope and the joy and the love that can come from a relationship with Jesus and that we would just say yes to it. And so, Lord, we love you and we thank you for this time. It is in your precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. Okay. So being a Christ father, we're going to have two points. Very simple. We've got A and B, is and is not. That is what we're looking at today. So being a Christ follower is not built on convenience. It's the first thought that we've got to begin to understand. Being a Christ follower is not built on convenience. Convenience is great, and we live in a convenient world. Like, we just do. Being alive in 2020 is awesome. Is there some bad stuff that happens? For sure. However, the things that we have the opportunity to do and that we have at our fingertips is great. I don't know if you guys ever have this thought like I do, but sometimes I'll be watching like an old movie. It might be a Western or it might be from like the early 1900s. And I have this overwhelming thought that begins to embrace me. And it is, dear Lord, thank you for not allowing me to be born in the 1800s. Just thank you. Thank you for not making me go outside to go to the bathroom. And thank you for not making me walk like 25 miles to go to school because that would have never happened. Thank you for allowing me to just pick up my phone and order something off Amazon that'll be at my house before people would get urgent news in the 1800s. Like it is this idea of this is a really cool time to be alive because convenience is at an all-time high. You can get whatever you want, whenever you want, for whatever you want it. It literally doesn't matter. I was sitting at home, I was talking about that. I'm beginning to realize I'm talking about this subject way too much. But I was talking to Natalie before the service about a pair of shoes I bought, right? I love shoes, okay? I love them. And I was just, I was texting one of my friends and 
he told me about a pair of shoes he bought, and I'm like, man, I need to buy some shoes. I haven't done that in a while. I haven't spent random money for no reason. It's not like I have bills to pay. Um, I do, and it wasn't a great decision. But I just jumped on the computer, ordered them. They were at my house in five days. It's amazing. It is unbelievable how fast and how convenient life is today, which is awesome for certain things and not great for certain things because we begin to think that everything should be that convenient. And there's times that following Jesus is not convenient to what we want to do. It's just not. We've got plans, we've got expectations, we've got things we want to do, and we've got things that we want to see happen at a certain time. And when it doesn't, it feels like the entire world's against us. It feels like everything has fallen apart because Jesus isn't fitting into this box of expectations that we had laid out for him. Isn't it funny how we'll do that? It's not the other way around. We will tell Jesus what we need from him and when we need it. And when it doesn't work out exactly how we specified, it feels like, well, he's forgotten about me. God's forgotten about me. God doesn't love me. God's not in this. And in reality, we've just screwed up the order of how things are supposed to look. We are Jesus followers. Jesus did not sign up to just be a follower of us. We set out to follow him and what he's called for our lives. I want you to check out this passage, Matthew 5, 13. We just read it. You're the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? You might wonder, why are we talking so much about salt? Salt is available everywhere. You can get it on a dinner table. It's very funny when somebody gets up to go to the bathroom to unscrew all the salt and put it in their drink. It's just a funny thing to do sometimes. You've never done that? Try it, okay? Um, so salt is a super easy thing to grasp for us. But it was an uber-valuable commodity during this time. Often, people were paid in salt. They would receive their compensation in salt because it was that valuable. If we got paid with salt today, you would quit your job, right? That would be the worst thing ever. But salt was this valuable commodity. I've got this crazy accent working all of a sudden. Salt, salt. So salt was this very valuable commodity. But here's why Jesus is using it right here. Yes, it's valuable. But when you put salt on something, you're doing it to make a difference in taste. As Christ followers, we are called to be different. We're not supposed to look like the rest of the world. And so as he's telling the disciples, you are the salt of the earth, Man, you are supposed to be different than what everybody else is doing. This isn't supposed to look like everybody else's lives. When you follow Jesus, it's not supposed to blend in with society. That's not how this works. And yet he goes on, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything to be thrown out and trampled under under people's feet if it loses its taste. Salt without taste is no longer making a difference. There's no reason to put it on your food. There's no reason to 
gain it because it's not making a difference. You get salt to make a difference. And what Jesus is saying here is, if you begin to look like the rest of the world, what good is it? It's not doing us any good. And if our lives are beginning to blend in with what everybody else is doing, we're missing the point and we're missing what we've been called to. We have sacrifice this huge opportunity that God has given us in the short life that we have to make a difference and to be a difference because we just want to look like everybody else. There's no reason to have salt once it loses its taste. You might as well just throw it out. Jesus makes it so clear in what our lives are supposed to look like. We're not different for the sake of being different. We're different because of the things that we believe in the person that we follow. It's never going to blend in with society. This is thousands of years ago. People didn't understand it then. Following Christ wasn't convenient then. It's definitely not convenient now. But there's sometimes we have to make a firm decision on where we stand and what we believe. And convenience has to go by the wayside. And we have to understand that Jesus isn't going to always be convenient to what you and I want. But what Jesus is, is all that we'll ever need. Like, he is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is all that we're ever going to need, guys. So convenience, we change what needs convenience because we change our opinions. We change what we want at this time. We change what we want at that time. Jesus does not change. He is always the same. And so if following Christ isn't built on convenience, there should be no question about where people think you stand with the Lord. If we're called to be salt of the earth and we're called to be different than the rest of the world, there should be no question about where people believe that we stand. Not, yeah, they sometimes... I think they love the Lord. I'm not totally sure. If we were to go to your school and we were to take a poll and ask people about your relationship with the Lord, what would they say? Is it evident? Is it apparent? Is it one of those things where they go, yeah, man, they love Jesus. Well, how do you know that? It's how they talk to people. It's how they treat others. It's their actions. It's their words. Or is the response going to be, I, I don't really know. I mean, he's a great dude. Super nice guy, but I mean, I, I know what else he does, so I don't really know. I don't know where that would fall. What would that poll look like in your own life? And that's going to answer Matthew 5.13 for you. 
It's not about convenience, guys. But this is what it is about. It's built on making Jesus known. So being a Christ follower isn't convenient, but it is built on making Jesus known. This is what we strive to do. Be disciples that make disciples. Matthew 5, 14 and 15. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. So think about it. When you need light, so you're in a dark place and you need light, and you just need to see something, you don't go light a candle and then cover the candle up so that it can't be seen. You're doing it so that you can actually see. That's why there is light. To get you out of a dark place. Darkness is bad. I don't care how old you are. I hate being in the dark. Darkness is only good to sleep and that's it. I hate coming home late at night and I'm the only one there and the lights are pitch black. I don't care. I'm 25. I'll say that. It's the worst. It is the absolute worst feeling in the world to walk into a dark house and it's like, who else is here and what do you want with me, right? It's terrible. It's awful. So the first thing that we do, and you all do this, so don't lie, you go to the nearest light and you flip it on so you can actually see the things around you. Guys, we are meant to be the light in a dark world. We live in a dark world. We live in a bad place. Is the convenience of 2020 awesome? Yes. But is it a bad world or bad things happening? A hundred percent. We are called to be the light so people don't have to be in that darkness anymore. Nobody likes to physically be in the dark and deep down, Nobody likes to spiritually be in the dark either. That's why we search for all kinds of things to try to find some light in our lives. Some lights flicker on and off. Some will be great for a little bit and then cut out. Some never turn on. When you say yes to Jesus, that is a light that never turns off. It never goes away. It never burns out. It is always there. And so as Christ followers, we're not a light so that it can be put under a basket and hidden from the rest of the world. It's supposed to be a calling to the rest of the world of what do they have that I don't? What do they have that I'm missing? I don't understand how they can be a light in a dark place like this. The answer to that question is incredibly simple. It's Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Like, we don't just do this for ourselves. If we were living an easy life, guys, we would just look like everybody else. That's easiest. It is so much easier to just kind of blend in with what everybody else is doing it is not easy to follow Jesus. But we do it 
so that others may know. And so that others don't have to be in darkness anymore. Because darkness is the last place that we all actually want to be. It's not safe. It's uncomfortable. It leaves us in a vulnerable position. When the light's on, you know your surroundings. And we're supposed to be that light in a dark world. And yet, when we're just trying to be convenient with Jesus, when we're just trying to have him fit into what we expect from him, we're just going ahead and putting that light under a basket. And nobody else is going to see it. And it's not doing its job. It's not being that calling card. It's not being that city on a hill, that place that you can run to to find safety. We're hiding it. And there's no reason to hide that from the rest of the world. If we were to look at our lives as just a series of greater than, less than symbols, it would be, if we could just embrace this, it would be amazing to see what Jesus could do through us. If we would surrender what I want for Jesus' call on my life and just say, look, my wants are less than the call that Jesus has put on my life. Like that call is greater than anything else. And if we were to just say, you know what, what I want is less than the needs of others, we would be living out Matthew 5, 13 to 16. And you'd be the salt of the earth. You would be different from everybody else. And you'd be a light that could not be hidden from the rest of the world. The reason that I love this series that we're getting ready to do next week so much is because we get to talk about what it looks like to be that light in a really dark place, which is your schools. And we get to see students that have done that and done that well. And they've loved people well. And they've loved Jesus with everything that they've got. That doesn't mean there's no mistakes along the ways. That doesn't mean that we haven't screwed up and, and done things that we regret. But it means that Jesus is our everything. And to see that example in people's lives, man, it's encouragement to the rest of us. And that's what I'm praying the series that we're going to go into is for us. But there's got to be a decision made in your own life. Like there has to be a point where you just go, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't live in the middle any longer. It's not worth it. I'm not gaining anything. The world's not gaining anything. And most importantly of all, man, the Lord's not gaining anything. We're either fulfilling or we're failing. There is no in-between. Guys, I wish there was an in-between. That'd be so much of an easier place to live. I really do. And it would make conversations like this easier. It'd make life easier to live. But we've got to get off the fence. Team. We have got to leave that 
lifestyle behind of Jesus is great today, not so much tomorrow. It's supposed to be. Jesus is great. The rest of the world, man, that's okay. It's going to come and go anyways. Jesus isn't changing. That's where I want to be. That's where I want my life to make a mark. I don't want people to know me. I want people to know Christ. Salt of the earth, the light of the world. I want that number that we talked about earlier of 10% all in, 10% all out because there's no relationship and 80% living in the middle to be completely flip-flopped. I want 100% of this room to be all in, if I'm just being honest. I want 100% of this room to be all in and then slowly it turns into 90% of the room's all in and 80% of the room's all in, why? because we're bringing people that don't know. Like we're bringing people that are all out at this point because they don't know that there's an opportunity for there to be light on all the time. That's what I wanna see here at HSM. That's what I wanna see in your life. More than anything else, I wanna see us be committed followers of Christ who are creating and cultivating new opportunities for there to be new followers of Christ too. Living in a bubble is not that great. And I don't want this to ever turn into a bubble place. I want us to be all in and then slowly that number goes down and then it builds back up and goes back down and builds back up. Guys, that is what this is all about. But for that to happen, we have to make a decision. We have to get off the fence and we have to just say, this isn't convenient, but I'm not in this for convenience. I'm in this for a committed relationship with the one who changes everything and brings me more hope, more joy, and more love than I would have ever assumed possible that could have been found in the rest of the world. That's what we're saying yes to. And that is what can change the rest of the world by you getting off the fence and being fully committed to what Christ has called you to do in your life. Would you pray with me? God, I I don't really enjoy talking about this idea because it's uncomfortable. And it's a weird place to be because I know that that is so many of us. That there are so many students in here that live at this. Jesus is great today, not so much tomorrow. I just want him when I need him. That's not what Matthew 5, 13 to 16 is about. That is not what you have called us to. Jesus didn't come to this world so that we could use him when we needed him. Jesus came so that we had an opportunity at a committed, consistent relationship with the Savior of the world. And so that darkness didn't have to be all we ever knew. 
then that there could be light at the end of the tunnel and a light that would not ever go away or be dim. God, I pray that we begin to get off the fence today. And for some of us, the first step that we need to take is being honest about the fact that we've been living in the middle for far too long. And so as you sit here with heads bowed and eyes closed and you're having this one-on-one time with the Lord, if you feel that, man, Casey, that's me, I've been sitting in the middle, but I don't want to be there anymore, would you just slip your hand up? Man, that's me, but I don't want to be there any longer. Amen. 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 There's hands all over this room. There's no looking back, team. There's no going back. And the great part is, whatever's behind you isn't worth it anyways because there's abundantly more with Jesus. There is so much more than we could ever imagine when that yes stays on the table. God, I pray that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. May that be the defining characteristics of our walks in life and our walks with you. Father, thank you. We love you. It's your name that we pray. Amen.